0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Hello, Raider Nation, and welcome to another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast, Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Ackerman, We're joined as always by former Raider great Stanford stand. It seems like there's always something with the Raiders, but nothing like this. Uh, The tragedy involving uh, Henry Ruggs III, so many lives impacted. It's just a very sad, uh, very tragic story.
0: Yeah, uh, I think that uh, probably is uh, an understatement when you really look at everything in its totality. I mean, you know, just from all different angles, obviously, young lady lost her life uh that's something that's unnecessary something that definitely should not have happened you look at Henry Ruggs you hear see the reports about him going 156 miles an hour in the Chevrolet Corvette he has a young lady with him both of them sustained injuries but not life-threatening at least not from uh from what we've seen right now and you know it just it just goes to show in a matter of seconds in a matter of moments your life can go from one one way to another way completely completely different in just a matter of seconds and i remember for so many years uh they would sit up there and tell us "Hey guys you know when you're out there be smart the bye week be smart weekends be smart friday nights be smart things like that it's just a tragedy all the way around and you know like i said first and foremost obviously a young lady lost her life right and then in a distant second you now see henry Ruggs, who goes from being the leading receiver for the afc west leading las vegas raiders to now he's out of a job now he doesn't know what his future is going to be is he going to be in prison how long is he going to be in prison things like that so uh man trust me it it definitely hits home and uh it's definitely just a disturbing tragic matter all the way around
1: yeah just to kind of recap what happened first of all the raiders released Henry Ruggs, following his involvement in the fatal car accident early Tuesday morning. So Ruggs, as you said, was reportedly driving 156 miles an hour, and he was down to 127 miles an hour when he slammed into the back of another car, killing the as Tina Tintor. His blood alcohol level was reportedly twice the legal limit. You know, that's Stan. Henry Ruggs, his life and so many other lives will never be the same, obviously. He's only 22 years old. He now faces an, an uncertain future, like you said. Instead of preparing to play the New York Giants on Sunday, it, you know, what, what's next for this guy? And, you know, uh, we were able to talk to somebody. We brought somebody in. And uh, for more on the legal proceedings as to what's next for Henry Ruggs, let's welcome in Chuck Smith. Chuck, thanks so much for joining us. A uh, tough topic that we need to discuss here uh, for our. Podcast listeners, can you give us a little bit about your background?
2: Sure. I was a prosecutor here in San Mateo County, California, for nine years back in the 70s and 80s. Uh, the last five years, I did homicide cases. I did a number of vehicular manslaughter cases under the influence of alcohol, gross vehicular manslaughter. I had the first murder conviction based upon a driving under the influence in the state of California when that was allowed in the late 1980s. Since then, for the last 34 years, I've been a defense attorney. Uh, I have done work for the 49ers uh, when some of their players have gotten in trouble. I've done work for the Sharks. I've done work for the, uh, the San Francisco Giants. In fact, I was uh, fond- I was rooting for Dusty Baker because uh, <laughs> yeah. was nice mm-hmm. and he always wanted to know how I was doing, handling the people that he sent to me. So I was a big fan. Still i am a big fan of Dusty. Uh, So that's my practice. I'm a defense attorney now, uh, but I do a lot of these. These are sadly tragic cases. They're obviously unintentional. uh, And uh, I've had a bunch of them that I've had to uh, handle and they're all brutally difficult.
1: All right. So let's begin. Ruggs was in court on Wednesday, Chuck, and the judge ordered bail at one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Prosecutors requested one million. Ruggs faces felony charges of driving under the influence of alcohol, resulting in death and reckless driving. So, Chuck, how does the legal process in a case like this work, particularly in Nevada?
2: Sure. Uh, What is happening now is that the prosecution is providing what's called discovery to his defense team, and discovery will include all the police reports, all the accident reports. In cases like this where there's a fatality, the Nevada Highway Patrol brings in their specialized unit, their multidisciplinary accident investigation team, to do a thorough investigation of the fault uh, in terms of why the accident occurred and who was uh, at fault. Now, the blood test, the results will take some time to come back and that's a function of the backup at the crime lab. Uh, But once the blood test comes back, once all this other discovery has been reviewed, the attorneys on both sides, the prosecutors and the defense attorneys will talk about settlement. If they can't settle the case, there will be a preliminary hearing, which is a probable cause hearing at which evidence has to be presented to establish not guilt beyond a reasonable doubt, but rather is there probable cause to believe a crime has been committed uh, and that Ruggs should stand trial. And so that process that I just described can take place over, over many months and most likely will take place over many months.
1: Chuck, in Nevada, probation is not an option for a conviction on charge of DUI causing death. The possible sentence ranges from two to 20 years. What is Ruggs potentially looking at here with this? Well sure,
2: uh, and the statute is interesting in that it, it, it specifies uh, that uh, if someone in this circumstance is sent to prison, they're sent to a low level prison, uh, which takes into recognition the fact that this is the one crime that can happen to good people. Uh, it was unintentional, uh, th- this young man has led an otherwise good life and they don't want to put him in with hardcore criminals, uh, but uh, his team obviously is developing information about his background, the positive accomplishments in his life uh, beyond just becoming a pro football player. I'm sure there's a lot more to this young man's life, which is admirable. And they'll be negotiating with the DA uh, to try to work out a deal uh, that he can potentially get the minimum. He could potentially, despite the statute's prohibition of probation, try to get a probationary sentence because there are sometimes exceptions to these mandatory prison uh, sentences.
1: So, the possible sentence for the reckless driving, now that is one to six years in prison with probation available. So, Chuck, how does it work with two charges? Are they combined if he's found guilty on both? Can you explain? Sure.
2: Uh, the prosecutor is allowed to, to charge multiple charges arising out of the same conduct, alternative charges. Ultimately, he can only be punished once for the course of conduct. He can be punished under the greater charge uh, or he could be punished conceivably under the lesser charge of reckless driving. The fact that reckless driving is charged is a signal to the defense team that the prosecution is open to that. Now the prosecution controls the charges, they can insist that he plead guilty or go to trial on the greater charge, but they can plea bargain and allow him to, to accept responsibility based upon the lesser charge.
0: Chuck, uh speaking of the defense team for henry ruggs because even though it was a rear end which essentially pretty much kind of already seals your fate uh, in the eyes of many people and the law as far as who's at fault is there any form of defense that he can use even though he rear-ended her as to why he was not all the way culpable why he's not all the way at fault
2: right absolutely because the statute uh, and this is what his defense team is doing right now they're trying to see if there is any avenue of defense to the charges now the statute requires not only that they prove that he was above 0.08 and impaired, uh, and the blood test will, will prove that uh, fairly definitively, the prosecution also has to prove that he, he did an act which was the proximate cause, which was the cause of the accident. The example that I use is someone completely smashed drunk could be driving through an intersection on a green light No question about that. Six witnesses saying he had the green light. A sober person coming in the other direction, the opposite direction, could run the red light, cause the accident. The sober person can die, but the drunk person is not guilty under this law because even though he was drunk, he had a green light. It was in the phone, and yeah. He was therefore not at fault. So I'm sure his team is looking into that. And there are circumstances where uh, a rear ender is not the fault of the person following from behind. A sudden unexplained stop, uh, a being stopped in the middle of the road for no apparent reason. There are arguments where a rear ender is not the fault of the trailing driver.
0: The judge who's going to preside over this case is there. I think it's safe to say they're in a pickle. And I would ask you because he's a Las Vegas Raider, this is in Las Vegas, how much of an impact do you think that will have, whether it is leniency or even being stricter with the punishment, do you think that will have, if any, do you think that'll have whenever this uh, goes to trial and everything all plays out? Sure. And In you, your opinion.
2: Sure. Well, first of all, the judge, the DA controls the charges. And so if a plea bargain can be made between the DA and the defense attorneys, and they plea bargain it to reckless driving, well, it's then that they come to the judge. The DA, on the other hand, could say, no, we believe this is the greater charge under the influence above .08, and either you plead to that and throw yourself on the mercy of the court for sentencing, or you're gonna go to trial. Now, if if his defense team has no angle to, to beat the charges at all, Uh, then there'll be meetings, including the judge, informal settlement conferences in which there'll be discussions about, okay, from two to 20, you know, where is this gonna land, Your Honor? Uh, And the defense team obviously is gonna bring up and and develop as much as they can about the positive aspects of this young man's life beyond just being a pro football player. What good things has he done in his life? What's he meant to his family, his friends? Mm -hmm his uh, college teammates, things like that. And they will put that in front of the judge. And then ultimately the judge will decide what the sentence is. But the particular challenge in these kinds of cases is everyone knows that the spotlight will be on uh, the case. And so it makes it difficult from the defense side to to plea bargain for your client.
0: We saw the report come out earlier about him going 156 miles an hour. And then uh, whenever he finally made impact, with the Rav four from behind, it was. Uh, I think he slowed down to one twenty seven, one twenty seven, like that. Yeah. How much of an effect do you think that will have on the jury, if it's a jury trial, or even the judge, if it's a bench trial, if they request that? How much do you think that will play a part in whoever's mind that it's going to be a right. come incumbent upon them when they go ahead and decide his ultimate fate?
2: Sure. That's a that's a hugely difficult fact for his defense team. It's what we call in the law an aggravating circumstance. And you can't think of a more aggravating circumstance than that. I mean, look, plenty of people drive under the influence. Plenty of people get behind the wheel of the car in a situation where they know that, you know, I really shouldn't be driving. But most of them have at least enough common sense uh, and reasoning, despite the alcohol intoxication, that they're not going to drive 150 miles an hour. So that's a terrible aggravating fact, and it's the kind of fact that would make a judge more likely give him more than a decade and much closer to the 20 years than he would closer to the two years. That might overwhelm all the positive things about the young man's
1: life. Chuck, last question for you. We'll get you out of here on this. Is there any way people can beat a blood alcohol test?
2: There is. First of all, blood is more accurate than breath. Uh, When I'm asked which test should I take, I tell people to take a breath test because you have a chance to beat that. Blood proves what is going on in your system at that time. Uh, And the blood test is going to be taken, was taken, sometime after the accident. Now, I don't know how long, but it was. And a blood alcohol content is not a static thing. It's dynamic. It changes over time. It increases while we are in the drinking episode. Once we stop drinking, it continues to increase, then it plateaus and then it gradually declines. And there are formulas which establish this. There might be an argument for his defense team that he was lower at the time of driving than he was at the time of the blood draw. And if the test results come back close to 0.08, 0.10, 0.11, 0.12, he might have an argument which might get him some leverage with the DA. But if the blood alcohol comes back you know, substantially above uh, 0.08, those kinds of arguments that I've just described are, are, are really not, not going to help him much at all.
1: Chuck, that's great stuff. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, to join us to explain the legal process in this very tragic situation.
0: Yes, it's tough. Thank you. Thank you very yeah, thank, much. Thanks a lot, Chuck. Uh, definitely uh, tough times right now, especially for Raider Nation and Obviously, our heart goes out to the young lady who obviously uh, lost her life in the accident Tuesday morning. So uh, this is uncharted territory for a lot of people. So our heart goes out to her.
2: Yes, that's, that's a good point. Thank you, Stanford. That's definitely definitely brutal and hard. But thanks. It's good.
1: All right, Stan, as difficult as it might be, the Raiders still have a football game to play on Sunday against the New York Giants. The Raiders, as we know, are 5-2, and two, currently sit atop the AFC West. I know it's simple, Stan, to say they're professionals and they have a game to play. But Stan, it's normal to wonder what kind of mental state this team is going to be in as they prepare to face the Giants.
0: Oh, Well, I think that uh, you just hit it right on the head that that's the nature of this business. And I say that because at the end of the day, and I remember Rod Woodson said this several times this one time when he came and actually was kind of like a guest speaker talked to our dbs and then also when he was my db coach in the 2011 season is that the other team that you're playing against you just had a death in the family you had some sort of a hardship you got some sort of a situation going on in your team as you can see what has transpired for the las vegas raiders over the last couple days and the thing of the matter is the other team they feel for you but they don't care because they got to go and win this game. So they're not going to spare any expense off of dominating you on Sunday afternoon, and you know that it's a player. So players, you're taught how to compartmentalize. A lot of people would call that cold. They would call that just being uh, detached. They would call that just simply being unaware and just, you know, completely just out of touch, but as a player, you have to learn how to be, how to compartmentalize as bad as that sounds. And it's not to make light of this situation that happened Tuesday morning, but Sunday afternoon, you got to go out there and win a game for your team because you want to make sure that you maintain your job security as the fullback, linebacker, receiver, quarterback, whoever you want to call it. So you can clearly see after the John Gruden exit out of the front door that uh, the Rich Bakia was able to go ahead and galvanize his team, put together some wins and sitting up at top of the AFC West. And I think that that's what you're going to have to go ahead and see out of them going forward. As tragic as this matter is, and they're going to have to find a way to go ahead and find a new deep threat. Somebody go ahead and stretch the field. What Ruggs was so good at doing. But nonetheless, everybody has to go ahead and band together and it does not make it any easier it does not make light of the tragic situation that happened on monday night slash tuesday morning but that's just the nature of the business where you got to compartmentalize and for three hours on sunday afternoon up there at the Meadowlands, i'm sorry metlife stadium they got to find a way to push all that out of their mind and still go out there and complete the task at hand
1: And stan i understand i don't think it sounds cold and i understand what you're playing what you're saying especially you being an ex-player but Sam, I know you've had to have stuff happen to your life, and then you got to step onto that field, and you say compartmentalize, and I get that, but you're a human being, and at some point, it's going to enter into your mind. It has to.
0: Yes. It's human nature. No doubt about it. Uh, And Like I said, it's going to enter into your mind. I will go ahead and bring up uh, one moment from my past that a lot of people within Raider Nation remember this day. But I will go ahead and talk about when Al Davis passed. I remember we had flown to the go play for the play to the Houston Texans down in Houston where I live. And I believe it was the first or the second weekend in uh, in October. And I remember Al always flew on the plane with us. He always did. Sometimes they would hold up the plane because he'd be running a little bit late. He would always be on with his lovely wife. And so I remember that that one Friday afternoon. I noticed i didn't really see Al, but you know i didn't think anything of it he's the owner of a of an nfl team he's probably got other businesses sure other ventures he's gonna you know go ahead and attend to and then i remember that saturday morning uh, i wake up and all of a sudden i see on the espn bottom line that al davis has passed and i literally just like dropped my water my gatorade whatever i had in my hand i just dropped it out of my hand because it was just astounding to hear and then all of a sudden about 10 minutes later we have our usual morning our morning team meeting and then that's when Hugh Jackson basically broke all the news, broke the news to us. And you know, it just was a very somber moment. And mind you, that was a Saturday morning and literally 28 hours later, we got to suit up and go play the Houston Texans. Now we won that game. But the thing is, is that the Houston Texans, hey man, we feel for you. We know that you're going through it, but like, hey, we, at the end of the day, we don't care because we still got to go and win this game. Now, obviously we won the game. They didn't, but you get the point of what I'm trying to say. And I remember a couple years ago, you see, uh, Bob McNair, uh, the owner of the Houston Texans, he passes during football season and the other team feels for you. I remember Rod Wilson always said that. they feel for you, but they don't care because guess what? They still got to go and do a job. So yes, it's going to seep into your mind. You're not just going to completely block it out all the way. But when you find those moments where you find your brain just kind of migrating away from the task at hand, that's when you got to go ahead, regroup, refocus, and go ahead and try to go ahead and figure out how to accomplish this task at hand right in front of you. And then after the game is over with on the plane ride back Monday, that's when you go ahead, you think about all those other things. But when you're in that locker room, when you're at practice, when you're getting ready to go play that game, as cold as it sounds, you have to find your way. To go ahead compartmentalize and just focus on what you got to focus on stan did you feel like playing that sunday
1: after al passed away and what was it like when you stepped out onto the field and had well, for me game?
0: well for me you know al al really i don't i really loved me everybody knew that everybody thought we were like the best of friends even though i had maybe talked to the guy maybe three times during all my years in oakland uh but nonetheless i think that when, you, when you're around somebody, when, you're, when you get a chance to connect with certain people, you kind of get a chance to feel their mind. You get to feel their heart, feel their soul. And what I'm saying is going out there that Sunday afternoon, we were actually fired up because it's like, man, we're going to win this one for hours just because we know he would not want us sitting around, moping, feeling sorry for ourselves. He would want us to do what? Just win, baby. That's what he always said. So I mean, for for uh, for much of that game, like we we went out there with a direct uh, destination or should I say motivation that we want to go ahead and win the game just because we knew that he would probably look us in the eye and say, hey, what the F are you doing over here crying over me? Man, I've lived 80 some odd years. I had a great life. Hey man, you go out there and you go and handle these Houston Texans, just win. So. Even though, like I said, you know, we all shed a tear and even to this day, sometimes whenever his birthday comes on July 4th or his or his death day, I sometimes still shed a tear as well. But nonetheless, you know, you just find a way to push through. And for being an athlete, you go through so many things in life, whether it's off the field, whether it's on the field, whatever, you have to find a way to push through because that's a part of why you're a professional athlete you got to find a way to compartmentalize you got to find a way to go ahead and be triumphant in certain situations that seem like they're dire or there's no way that you can go ahead and wiggle your way out of it things like that and i think that all of it just comes down its totality but to your point should i say to your question uh we just found a way and uh, i think that knowing al knowing what he would have wanted knowing that he would probably slap us in the face and tell us, stop crying, quit moping, quit feeling sorry for me. I lived a great life. I drafted you. Go out there and make me proud. I think that gave us a little bit of edge, a little bit of boost to go out there and win that game. You
1: know, the crazy thing was about that game, and I do remember it vividly, is on the final play, the Texans had an opportunity to win. The Raiders' defense somehow only had 10 players Ten on the field and that was whatever third and goal from the Raider four or five and Matt Schaub the yep. Jackson's quarterback scrambles it looked like he could have run for the touchdown and said he pulls up throws a pass into the end zone and Michael Huff intercepted it I'm absolutely like, absolutely wow
0: mm-hmm. yeah we only had 10 people on the field <laughs> but know, we crazy. had but we actually really had 11 people that's the way I, that's the way I always will nice remember it my nice
1: here's what Raiders head coach Rich Passaccia and Derek Carr had to say about Henry Ruggs
3: First of all, uh, we want to express our sincere condolences to the victim's family. Um, A person lost their life yesterday morning, uh, and we think it's important to keep focus on that as we talk about this tragic event. Um, We're we're deeply saddened for everyone affected, especially the victim's family. That being said, we love Henry Ruggs. I want him to know that his terrible lapse in judgment of the most horrific kind. It's something that he'll have to live with the rest of his life. The gravity of the situation is not lost on anyone here. And we understand and respect the loss of life. And um, with that, I'll, I'll, I'll try to take your questions. Rich,
4: um, if there's any way that you can kind of put into words the emotions of these last couple of days getting a call that you probably never want to get. Um, and then also... The decision to move on uh, from Henry as, as quickly as the organization
3: did. Um, to be perfectly frank, I don't really know if I can put into words the the emotional um, feelings that you know. Certainly, I went through, and, and certainly uh, I can't speak for our players or our coaches or um, our, our owner, or our organization. I just know for me, as a um, as a parent and a person that um, cares about young people and uh, deals with young people every day. I really don't know if I could quantify what the emotions are. Um, So with that being said, I think, uh, late last night or late yesterday afternoon, um, as time went on and the organization gained more information, um, I think you read our, our first statement. Um, but I think as they, we all gained more information, certainly, um, as Mark gained more information, I think our, uh, our, our team official team met upstairs and, and, um, I think we came to the conclusion and, and owner Mark uh, thought it best for the organization um, to, to do that at that particular time. So um, I think there's two separate entities. There's Henry Ruggs, a football player, which uh, is no longer a part of the Raiders. And then uh, Henry Ruggs, a person who is certainly going through um, what he's going through and is going to have to pay the consequences for the actions.
4: My emotions have been... Um, <sighs> on a roller coaster so to speak this year you know and uh, my my heart goes out so much uh, try and say it with a straight face because uh, I've already been emotional about every bit of this uh, but to the family uh, to all the families involved uh, you know you never want no one ever wants to see this whether it's a football player or not you never want to see something like this happen and uh, you know it, it broke it broke my wife and I's heart You know, honestly, and, uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit, but I can only talk about it so much, you know, um, but at the same time, uh, whether it's fair or not, I have to compartmentalize and I have a job to do. These are two totally different situations. Um, some similar emotions, some very different emotions. Um, uh, but the message has to stay the same. You don't, honestly, I don't want it to right now if I'm selfish I don't want it to be. I want to say a lot of different things. But we have a game this week, and I've got a job to do. And so do the, the guys in that locker room. And um, from that aspect, from a football aspect, I hate to talk about both in the same thing. But it's weird, and that's what we're doing, right? Um, from a football aspect, every man in that locker room kind of feels the same way. Um, and But we have work to do we had to come out and practice. We've had film study Monday and Tuesday, you know, like we have, you know, all of these things that we still have to do. Right. And so I don't know the right way to handle it, um, but I'm doing my best.
1: Stan, let me ask you this. The Raiders right now on their depth chart, they have just three wide receivers uh, listed Zay Jones as a starter, uh, along with Brian Edwards and then Hunter Renfro. I imagine they'll add a, a wide receiver or two off of the, practice squad at some point before Sunday's game. So when you look at the personnel, then it does, do you see perhaps uh, Darren Waller playing a little more of uh, wide receiver and Foster Moreau against the Eagles had a wonderful game. I think he had six catches for about 60 yards. We always hear how high the Raiders coaching staff is on Foster Moreau. So do you see him now maybe picking up part of the, the, the slack or, you know, that being a more involved in the offense moving forward?
0: Well, for one, I think that you can go ahead and use Darren Waller a little bit more, maybe split him out, things like that. But he's going to be the focal point of your offense anyway. Even with Henry Ruggs still in the fold, he's your focal point. He's your best player on the offense side of the ball. So I think that right there is a given. Now, to your question, I would go ahead and I would start to look at maybe adding another receiver onto the roster. And if memory serves me correctly, I believe... Because Henry Ruggs, somebody that could stretch the field, somebody that could go ahead get down the field, make big plays, he's really fast. Things like that. There's a guy that was actually searching for a trade partner that played for the Los Angeles Rams just a couple of days ago, I and I remember right. I remember playing against it back in 2009. Went to the Pro Bowl that year, and. He's since been released by the Los Angeles Rams. And I know where he's at in his career, he definitely wants to play for a team that has a possibility to be a contender, somebody that can win, somebody that's going to be in the playoffs. So obviously he's not going to go and sign with the Jags or he's not going to go and sign with the Giants or, you know, somebody who's clearly probably not going to the playoffs and that right there, Deshaun Jackson. So uh, with him being on the street right now, already being released from the Los Angeles Rams, that's somebody... I would like to see go ahead and fill that role, fill that void that Henry Ruggs has left. That's what I would do rather than go ahead and try to put, you know, Foster Moreau and like, you know, have him more implemented in the offense. Because I think you got to fill that void of somebody who's going to stretch the field that way that safety is going to react to it and it'll open up everything underneath. See, and I watched the Monday night game between the New
1: York Giants and the Kansas City uh, Chiefs, and I thought yes. the Giants did a wonderful job of taking uh, yes. out Travis Kelsey. I, mean, I think he had two catches maybe, and one of those he fumbled on. I would expect the Giants to employ the same kind of defensive game plan and make their focus taking away Darren Waller.
0: Uh, Probably so, but I think it's going to be, I think it's going to come in a different form. If you really watch that game, the complexity of it was so beautiful. And I say that because with the Kansas City Chiefs, we all saw the Raiders pretty much created the blueprint last year, week five Arrowhead Stadium when they beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just went ahead and exposed, exposed them on a much grander scale. So for New York, They always had safeties back deep. They're taking away the deep ball for Tariq Hill. Now, for the Giants playing the Raiders on Sunday, the Raiders just lost their deep threat guy, their Tariq Hill, if you want to call it, in a black and silver uniform. So I think the Giants, you're probably going to see a little bit more one robber. You might see a single high, things like that. I don't think you're going to see as much cover, two out of the Giants versus the Raiders on Sunday. In my opinion, that's my opinion. That's not fact. So just because the Raiders have lost their Uber deep threat, and the Kansas City Chiefs obviously had theirs with Tariq Hill. So yes, I think you're gonna see a huge level of attention that is gonna be directed towards uh, my man uh Darren Waller because he's the top offensive threat for the Las Vegas Raiders. There's no much more, there's not there's not as much of a deep threat with Ruggs not being there. So yeah, I think you're gonna see. The, uh, the same attention to Darren Waller, but you're just going to see it in a different form. Well, Stan, the Raiders uh, are still about a two and a half point favorite, and you can
1: go to betonline.ag, and they are back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code bleed50 to receive your bonus from basketball, football, baseball, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, Stan, I was looking at the current Super Bowl odds on Bet Online. And some of them, okay, I, I get, but there's one of them that is just completely dumbfounding to me. So Tampa Bay, Buffalo are both five to one. I'm good with that. I can definitely good with that. Cowboys come in at nine to one, as do the Packers and the Rams. Okay. The Rams might be even higher now that they got Von Miller. Cardinals 10 to 1. Now, this one is a head scratcher, and you got to help me with this one. Help me try to understand this. The Baltimore Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs are 12 to 1. The Kansas City Chiefs, now I know they're 4 and 4, and there's still nine games to go. But Stan, I've watched them. This team has no identity. I don't even think they know who they are. How in the world are they 12 to 1 odds right now?
0: So let me ask you this, Dennis: Is it because of where they're ranked in the Super Bowl favorites listing, or is it the odds at which they're given? The, this is the odds. I mean, they're in the top seven yeah, or I eight. Know. So, so is it the ranking as as one, two, three, the four, odds, five, the six, odds. seven? Yeah, or the,
1: the odds, yeah, odds, odds. The rank because
0: I mean. because this is why. 2018, the raid. I'm sorry, the Chiefs are in offsides from D Ford away from going to the Super Bowl. Pat Mahomes won the MVP that year in his second season, first full season as a starter. 2019, they stubbed their toe a little bit in the regular season. They look kind of pedestrian, but then they turn it on the postseason, three straight games, being uh in a deficit. They come back to win, they win the Super Bowl 2019. Pat Mahomes, the best thing ever. And then 2020, they're in the Super Bowl, they just lose it to who? Tom Brady. So when you look at that, and even within the AFC West, if you if I ask you right now, who is the best team in the AFC West? Yeah, the Raiders they got the best record, they're five and two. But who's the most talented in the AFC West right now to this day? And yes, the Chiefs, like I've said before, I got my defense coordinator, the high school team that I coach at, he's a big Chiefs fan. I was just telling him a couple of days ago, there's something missing on y'all's team right now. Something is missing. I don't know what the hell it is, but something is missing. But you still have Pat Mahomes. You still have Tariq Hill. You still have uh, uh, Chris Kelsey. Hall. You still have Travis Kelsey. You still have Frank Clark. You still have T- Matthew, Matthew. Right. So you still have those same guys that have been balling for the past couple of years. So I think those odds are because in Vegas, they're assuming that, you know what? these guys, they didn't just fall off the cliff. They didn't just forget how to play football. They're stubbing their toe right now, no doubt about that, it's very, it's very evident. But I think it's because they're assuming somehow, some way, they're gonna put this all together when it really gets nut-cutting time to make this playoff push in November, December, early January, things like that. So that's what I'm assuming, and I say this, because even though the Chiefs right now are four and four, and they were very close to being three and five, oh, absolutely. losing that game on Monday, yep. but nonetheless, next week after the giants game the raiders play the chiefs on sunday night football i'm not all the way 100 confident oh yeah we gonna win that game oh, like, not just, either. Because, just because exactly see and, and that right there is why they're 12 to 1 odds because even <laughs> because the, the odds makers still know hey man this team right here is kind of falling they're kind of floundering around a little bit but hey when they find their footing you know they have the firepower to go ahead and do it and i don't really think that this team I don't think that it's because this team has no identity what i think it is it's just what i've learned throughout my years of being around the nfl playing in the nfl and you can see it through other through other teams and other positions are guys like this this is what i always say and i got a close homeboy that told me this years ago but i did not believe in products about five six years ago the nfl catches up to you and the chiefs Came on like gangbusters in 2018 after they trade away Alex Smith. And now Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy. they now have the quarterback that they need a gunslinger to go ahead and make these quarterback throws all the way down the field to Tariq Hill, to uh, Travis Kelsey. It was to Miko Hardman, And back when he was there, Sammy Watkins, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And now the league catches up to you a little bit. So what they're doing is they're taking away the shot, they're taking away the deep ball from Kansas City. Tariq hill had 10 catches for like 94 yards now usually Tariq hill has like three catches for 94 yards or four catches for 120 something like that they're taking away the right hand and that right there is the big plays with kansas city to Tariq hill travis kelsey over the middle and what they're doing is they're forcing pat mahomes to be a pedestrian quarterback throw the check down throw it to the running back in the flats we'll come up we'll make the tackle They are forcing Pat Mahomes to go 10, 12-play drives and doing that the entire time. And let me tell you something, Dennis. It's only one quarterback, and that guy right there is 45. It's only one quarterback who has the wherewithal, that has the patience, that has the intellect to actually go ahead. And on a 10-play drive, three of them run plays, seven of them pass plays. And of the seven pass plays, six of them are to the running back on either a check down or just a swing pass, and he has no problem doing that. And that's Tom Brady, obviously, because most of these younger quarterbacks, what do they want? They got that big, they got that big arm. They got that Lamborghini. They got the the Maserati. And you know what? They want to show everybody in this this stadium how big their arm is. They want to show everybody. And that's where they get in trouble. And that's what teams are now starting to do. They're taking away the deep ball from Kansas City and saying, hey, you know what? Beat us with your left hand. And if you do beat us with your left hand, like they did on Monday night to the New York Giants, We'll tip our hat to you but we're not about to let you go ahead and just win this game with your right hand and just do everything that you've been doing so the league catches up to you that's what i'm starting to see out of kansas city
1: all right time for a little mailbag now stan and uh bill in los angeles wants to know what actually takes place inside the halftime locker room i mean you basically have a little more than 10 minutes
0: yes uh it it really depends on like are you winning are you losing how's the coach feeling and i think uh usually at halftime it's a moment to go ahead and kind of regroup. By the time you go and walk off the field into the locker room, you really only have like six minutes to go ahead and kind of do whatever, and then you're already back out to either warm up, things like that. So for the most part, you just go ahead and you try to make whatever adjustments that uh, that, that may have given you problems in the first half. If you're winning the game, coach is gonna come in there and tell you, hey, keep doing what you're doing. Go ahead and let's be cognizant. Let's be mindful of this, this, and this, which, we get, which can go ahead and kind of, you know, rear its ugly head. We can stub our toe in the second half. If you're losing, Obviously, the coach is going to come in there. He's going to give you a motivational speech, or he's going to come in there just dropping F bombs everywhere if you've really been, you know, effing up out there on the football field. It's just a matter of making the quick adjustments. Maybe you got to go ahead and use the restroom. Maybe you got to go ahead and adjust the uniform because the uniform guys already told you you're in violation, things like that. So everything happens pretty quickly at halftime, to be honest with you. But nonetheless, your coach is going to give you some sort of dialogue on how you're doing and how to go ahead and finish this game out. All right. Marshall
1: in New York wants to know if you are a fan of prevent defenses, because the only thing it
0: prevents is your team winning the game. Now, Marshall up there in New York. Now, okay. Wait a minute. Now, I understand what he's saying. I do understand what he said. I think that the problem is, is that sometimes teams start to run the prevent defense too early in the fourth quarter. I believe If you get to where you're up by two scores and it's now under five minutes left, okay, now you can go ahead and start playing a little bit softer, but what happens is they start calling a prevent defense and you start playing too soft or guys still, or guys start making certain mistakes, you'll see a linebacker may leave his area, leave his zone, then they'll throw the dig right behind him, something like that. A safety may not stay deep, and then all of a sudden they throw one over your head, something like that. Corner gets beat on a double move, something like that. So if you do it the right way, because I can tell you like this, look at the Giants. They played damn near prevent defense all four quarters on Monday night. You see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers played a lot of prevent defense against the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I think if you do it the right way it can be very very effective but you have to do it the right way and you cannot have those mental errors you cannot have those mental lapses but i definitely understand what he's saying because there's many times where you've seen a team in a prevent defense and that actually prevented them from winning the game
1: all right finally we got sean in nashville i mean dang we're covering the entire united states here stan uh other than the raiders who has the best uniforms in the nfl Oh, now okay. I got my list. I'll let you go.
0: You want me to go first, oh, or you want to go okay. first? Okay, I'll, I'll go first. Now, okay. Sean in Nashville, is he talking about normal uniforms, or is he talking about like the alternate uniforms that sometimes teams wear? Like, let's
1: we'll say normal. Let's we'll say the, no. the usual, the roots. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's not the Raiders. I right. would probably go with. I'm partial to the color black. I am. I. Okay. I, I love. I love when the saints go on, they're all black uniforms. I love that last week the Cardinals went and they're all black uniforms. Obviously that's not their usual, right? Uh, but I, I just, I, I love that. But I would probably have to go with, uh, and I know that I'm gonna probably take a lot of heat for saying this, but whatever. I would probably go with, uh, man, that is always a nice powder blue uniform oh, that, uh, that the Chargers right? wear. The, pe- it's the baby blues blue. with the it with is. the yellow pants. Yes, Ooh, it, it, it is. I know obviously I know right I'm with there. you. No, I Red know Nation, fans no one hear that here, but I'm with but, you. Uh, Those are sweet. Yes. And then and then also I remember growing up, I was also, I was always a Packers fan. I oh, love yeah. that green, you know what I mean? Green Bay, green uniform, green. Yeah, a little field. trivia for you.
1: A little quick trivia. What does the G stand for on the side
0: of the Packers helmets? I would assume Green Bay, but I feel like because you asked me that question, it's a setup and that's not it. I, I if, if that's if it's not Green Bay, I have no idea. I just know that. Green Bay, you know, Wisconsin Cheese Select, Cheese Packaging, you know, Cheesehead. I know all that, but right. no, That's I what I I thought thought it G. was for
1: the longest time. And then I don't know what year it was. I'm watching a game and they start talking about the G on the side of their helmet. It stands for greatness. Seriously. Seriously. I swear to you, I'm not making it up. I am not making it up. Look it up. It stands for greatness. I always thought... G green bay but no it stands for greatness
0: well i mean for one (laughs) that's pompous (laughs) number one but i can't blame them for that because like i said i've been a huge fan of green bay for a long time and you know that's title town They won the first two nfl championships in history so i mean that's pompous and arrogant as (laughs) but you know what hey more power to them because you know what if you can go ahead and do it like that hey by all means more power to you all
1: right, I think a few we left out. I, I love The Steelers classic uniforms. You talked about the, yes.
0: boxes, the Steelers yeah, the classic. Yeah, no doubt about
1: I think it. the Bears have great home uniforms. I think the Niners do. I know Raider fans aren't going to like to hear that, but 49ers, <laughs> I think, have great uniforms <laughs> as well. I'm trying to think if I've left. I, I like the Cleveland Browns now that they went back to the old school. I like their look. Mm-hmm. It's different. So those are a few more uh, that I would add. And Raider Nation, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to Stan and I on Twitter. You can find us. And uh, give us your questions, and we'll try to answer them uh, when we can. All right, Stan, time to pick some AFC games this week. And uh, let's start with the Broncos at the Cowboys. Dallas, a nine-and-a-half point favorite at home.
0: Uh, maybe because Because I've always been predisposed to not liking the Cowboys, and obviously the way that they've been playing, I feel like the Cowboys are going to stub their toe here soon. Like, I, I just feel like they are. You know, obviously, they snuck past New England. <laughs> they, uh, they they beat Minnesota, obviously, having Cooper Rush as the quarterback and not Dak Prescott. But I just feel like they're going to stub their toe here somehow, some way soon. Like, I don't think Dallas Cowboys going 16-1. Like, come on now. No, I agree. <laughs> yeah, but, like, they're going to stub their toe soon. Hopefully, they stub their toe on Thanksgiving. But they're going to stub their toe who they're, they're stub their toe here soon. And I would not be surprised if Denver is able to pull out this game. Obviously, them trading away Von Miller. It shows that they're already in rebuild mode, but you still got the Cortland Suttons of the world. You still got the Judys of the world. Uh, no offense, guys like that, obviously somewhere on the shelf. But you can still see that the Denver Broncos got pretty good defense. Patrick Satan playing pretty good. You got uh Darby playing uh playing good as well. So that defense, and then you got Simmons in the back end. You got my man Kareem Jackson in his safety position. So I think that Denver still has a good defense to slow down this Dallas potent offense. So I would not be surprised if a Denver wins, but at least they go ahead and they uh, and, and they beat the spread.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go, oh,
0: just FYI
1: Raider Nation when Stan was mentioning Thanksgiving, the Raiders are at the Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day. I, I think Dallas wins. I just, I, the Broncos offense to me is just, it's not good, Stan. It's really not. And they have a bye coming up and I'm I'll be surprised if head coach Vic Fangio is still with the Broncos, <laughs> after the bye. I, I really will. I and think it? the Cowboys win. I don't know if they'll cover. I think this just a high potent offense. And I just don't think the Broncos have enough offense to keep up with them. All right. The Chargers, interestingly enough, they have stumbled the last couple of games. They're at Philadelphia and they're a one and a half point favorite on the road. You think the bolts uh, get right this weekend?
0: Let me ask you this. What time is kickoff? Ooh. Oh,
1: okay. All right. What time I, is kickoff? i'd have to check on that one i don't know probably one o'clock right is it okay is that a is that a myth that west hell no that ain't no myth dennis wait west coast teams going to the east coast one o'clock start is it a myth that it's it's an early start and west coast teams struggle with that because it's still basically 10 a.m
0: out dennis dennis it's not a myth like that is some that is a real thing and like i said obviously the henry rugg situation for the raiders going to uh, mad life stadium but the one o'clock kickoff is probably going to affect them more in my opinion probably than the henry rugg situation just because you're used to being at a certain regimented schedule based on the time zone that you live in so now all of a sudden usually 10 o'clock, even if it's your off day, you're probably waking up around that time. If it's a work day, you're waking up at 30, seven o'clock, something like that. You're in meetings, you might have a walkthrough at 10 o'clock, but guess what? This Sunday afternoon, you're kicking the ball off at 10 o'clock. So now you got that one o'clock kickoff, so you wake up at probably what? Nine o'clock to be at the stadium by 11. Well, guess what? Nine o'clock is what? 6 a.m. on West okay. Coast. So sure. that right there, it's a completely different ordeal for a lot of West Coast teams, and that's why I asked what time is kickoff. And I think it's probably gonna be at one o'clock. So because Justin Herbert, I love watching him play by the way. Obviously, we see they stub their toe against the Baltimore Ravens, they also stub their toe against the New England Patriots. But you know what? I'm starting to see them uh, New England Patriots, uh Mac Jones, mm. they're starting to come around, mm. be alert yeah, for them late great. in the season, and they might slip into these playoffs. That's number one. So everybody remember that said that. But I think for the for the uh for the Los Angeles Chargers. I would not be surprised if Philly makes a game out of this, not because Philly is good as, good as the Chargers, but because of that one o'clock kickoff, I think that's going to go ahead and level that playing field for J- uh, Jalen Hurts versus the Justin Herbert. So I would not be surprised. I'm going to go ahead and go with the Chargers because I think they're a better team. But and then, and then they're bound to bounce back after losing those last couple games. But I would not be surprised if this is more of a nail-biter bri- nail than a lot of people would go ahead and assume.
1: Yeah, I'm with you, Stan. I do think the Chargers will prevail, and I do think it'll be a close game. Definitely less than a touchdown uh, differential at the end. All right, Stan, Raiders-Giants. We know that's an early start at 10 a.m. out here on the West Coast, 12 o'clock Central where you're at. Uh, Like I said earlier, Raiders, two-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, Everything with the Raiders going back east, you know, the Henry Ruggs. Is it a trap game? They have the Chiefs the following weekend. What do you think?
0: i'm gonna go ahead and think with my heart on this because of the giants and the way they lost to the chiefs it still shows that the giants can't get out of their own way they should have won the game on monday night but they still can't get out of their own way daniel jones still has not turned the corner yet not sure if galladay and saquon barkley are playing but i'm gonna assume that they're not and with that being said because new york still seems like they cannot get out of their own way That's why I'm going to think that the Las Vegas Raiders will still go ahead and be successful. I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk. I don't think it's going to be an easy game, even though it should be an easy game. I think it's going to be more of a nail biter. I think Derek Carr is going to go ahead and pull us out uh, somewhere late in the game. Josh Jacobs, all those guys. Uh, But it definitely will not be easy. That one o'clock kickoff is definitely going to make an impact on the players, number one. But ultimately, I'm going to go ahead and think with my heart because we see the John Gruden situation And obviously they're able to galvanize to each other and come, uh, come back and be able to rattle off some victories after the John Gruden Exodus. So I'm going to go ahead and assume that, you know what, this team, they're battle tested. They're used to adversity. They're used to distractions. And I don't want to go ahead and make light of this tragic accident. that wound up in a young lady losing her life. But to your question, I would go ahead and assume that because the Raiders seem like they're a little bit more battle tested in distractions. Going on in the facility, just within the city, within the town, things like that. I think they're going to be able to galvanize, come together, and still be able to come out with the victory.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm I'm going to go with my heart on this one. I'm hoping that the Raiders pull this one out. Uh, I could see a 24-21 game stand, maybe even 23 to 20. The Raiders, you know, don't blow a lot of teams out. They get they get big leads and then kind of let the teams yeah. kind of back in it. So I'm going to go with my heart. I'm going to say the Raiders uh, 24-21. But at the same time, I would not be surprised if it went the other way. So, all right, Stan, uh, have the playoffs started for the high school football team for St. Thomas?
0: No, the playoffs do not start. We have our final game of the regular season on Friday coming up in a couple days. And then if we win the game, which I believe we should, we'll actually get a first round bye. So possibly our playoffs won't start until the weekend of November 20th. Uh, if we're able to go ahead and get this victory in the season, which I think we should, otherwise the playoffs will be starting next weekend for us. What college game are you calling this weekend? Actually, this weekend, no college game. You got so I'm buy? gonna yes, I got another buy, so I'm definitely going to go ahead and take advantage of it. So I'll uh, so, yeah, so definitely uh, look forward to that.
1: All right, partner. Uh, another good podcast, a tough one to do, but uh, good stuff as always.
0: Always, man. love doing this.
1: All right, Raider Nation, that's going to do it for another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast presented by BetOnline.ag. For my partner, Stanford Rout, I'm Dennis Ackerman. Thanks so much for listening, and may all your punts find the coffin corner.